Here we go. All right, guys, somehow it's October. I don't know what happened. It's October 2nd. Um, that means it's fall. Um, I'm sure Halloween's canceled, but I, I'm going to dress up. <laughs> <laughs> but we're getting into fall. We've got exciting things going on. Kids are going back to school. Then they're not going back to school. Then they're going back to school again. Um, weird stuff going on in the world. But what's most important is it's time for another episode of the Nudgecast and another Nudge Coach Happy Hour. Mac, how's it going over there? Doing good, man. Doing good. To your wait, so Halloween, we think it is canceled. Is that is that the latest? I, I think there was a formal announcement that sounded something like <laughs> Halloween has been canceled due to lack of hustle. That's that's I love the reference, by the way. I think uh <laughs> What were we called a little earlier? We we're talking about heavyweights, the movie. Yeah, yep. you, you brought it to my mind, so I had to use it on the on the episode. Yep, <laughs> that's pretty wild though. Think about, but um, I guess it's not a Halloween podcast, but probably be an interesting thing to talk about. What would you be for Halloween, by the way? Oh man, that's a good question. So, to have a very young child who we're dressing up as a little lion. Um, he, his name's Leo, so he's going to be a lion. So I'm either going to be a character from. Well, all right. There are a couple directions this could go. Let me let me spin my wheels on this a little bit. It could be either a tiger or a bear. So we would be lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, um, that's a good one. That's a good one. Sort of in the same vein. Could be uh, Tin Man or uh, Scarecrow, one of the other characters. Um, so from the Wizard of Oz. Sorry, in case. It's no, no. I think I think we were following. If anyone was not following, that's. That, <laughs> That's kind of crazy. No, I think we. So I think those we're are some directions that my my wife is interested in. Rachel's very excited about doing Wizard of Oz theme. I feel like the Wizard of Oz is classic of a movie that is and as old as it is. That's still incredibly relevant when you think about costumes and pop culture. I feel like that's really kind of withstood the test of time. I, I would say it's it, it's officially in the class where it will never die. It will never be totally that's irrelevant. Good. That's good. All right, so that's don't ask me that question because I don't think I have any answers for you on what I would dress up as, and and that it wouldn't be half as interesting as what you just said. So, <laughs> well, you do, you do like live right off a block where I think one of the coolest Halloween celebrations in yeah. the country happens. So it is Hanover and on in Richmond, Virginia, Hanover. Yeah, I guess it or Hanover Avenue. I guess technically what it was, but um, yeah, I think it was actually like one of the top five things to see like Halloween instances or occasions or what or whatnot or parties whatever they're calling them but it's it's really legit i've got to say really really impressive yeah. my favorite every year is the ghostbusters theme our friends do a ghost ghostbusters theme um just can't get enough yeah <laughs> pretty pretty cool so um but not this year we'll have to we'll kick that one to next year we'll put together plans for it but um i guess we're gonna jump into coaching yeah yeah we should probably talk about what we're you know what what we're paid to do <laughs> <laughs> Paid the big bucks to just talk about what happened this week. So, yep. um, so yeah, in in the coaching business world, um, what have we been talking about this week? So I know you've had some conversations about onboarding, but also... Yeah, I think I would kind of throw this into several different things came up. I feel like every single one of my calls this week, which as a recap for anyone who's who's kind of new to the podcast and how we do this, I am generally on sales or implementation calls with coaches and coaching businesses largely all day, every day. And so I typically am seeing kind of con like the, the latest trends in coaching. And that's really my hope here is we can kind of just, you know, share anything we're seeing from our end. But yeah, the, the two things I saw this week had a lot of conversations regarding 
companies that were launching and really putting together their onboarding strategies, onboarding meaning that process in which they're introducing and getting clients onto whatever relevant technologies they're using like Nudge. Um, or we were talking about coaching frameworks, which I think is probably a more interesting one for this conversation because we just literally had a conversation with Sarah from Abundalicious on it, talking about that whole idea of frameworks, which is really, the, I think, the combination of kind of your automated content or programmatic content mixed with the personalized recommendations or coaching touch points you would have with clients. Yeah. And it's, this can, I think, feel like a, a sort of daunting thing to wrap your head around, but I think that's why it, it's something that we absolutely need to get into sort of a, a documented framework that we put out for people to help them make it, make it easier to map this. Um, but I mean, as part of, for example, a, a launch plan for a new program with us, it would be incredible to just make sure that we have this kind of framework mapped as we get to it. And so it's, it's, and it's such a useful way to think about sort of, I've developed this program that I want my, my clients to go through this journey that I want them to go through. Um, taking the time to thoughtfully think through, not just what the kind of you know, where the topics change or what the standardized content is like, Hey, this is when I welcome them to the program. This is when we talk about mm -hmm. you know, calorie consumption. This is when we talk about uh, Snickers bars. This is when we talk about that. <laughs> um, I like how you wove in Halloween with coaching frameworks I, and you I'm know, glad you caught why, why I brought that back in. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, but not just that, but also, Hey, this might be an opportunity to fit in a, you know, a, a personalized message or, you know, a, a direct touch point with this person along the way. This is where these coaching moments might fit in. Obviously, some of them are going to creep up naturally throughout the course, and you can really add value uh, sort of asynchronously throughout, but also kind of flagging these places where you expect to be able to check in on something specific and provide mm -hmm. some kind of personalized and, and really relevant to what's going on in people's lives feedback along the way. I think that's a really valuable idea that we've kind of come across here. Yeah, one thing that always kind of I don't know. I'm always intrigued with when we work with folks and I'm kind of looking at their programs that they have. I always can quickly point, you know, I always think about like the content is almost the skeleton, right? You, you kind of like, if someone signs up, I'm just gonna say like a weight loss program or getting fit for summer, whatever you want to call it. I think there's typically content the coach has that they know is relevant to the, it's kind of that, like I said, the framework, the skeleton. And I, I think what sometimes overlooked you can really string that stuff together in a way that is going to be consistent and is going to be kind of a bit standardized across clients. Um, like for instance, I always think about your getting started message. Like once a person's gotten, you know, gotten started with you and you're kind of sharing your um, maybe it's like you're getting started material and some like setting expectations. Like that's a great example. I always feel like of a touch point that can absolutely be standardized. Yeah. You may have some personalization kind of woven around or sprinkled on top of it, but I always find that that there's some specific, components or areas in which content's being shared that just makes so much sense to standardize. And then to your point, you would just think those personalized touch points would kind of weave in and out of, of when those points of, you know, content would be shared. Yeah. So what's, it'd be interesting to drill in on some of the keys to the program planning idea then. So you may not even think about what you're doing as a program yet, say if you're just doing one-on-one -on -one coaching of some mm -hmm. specific kind. Yeah. I don't know if you would think about the journey you're taking your clients down as a program, but to what you were just saying, there absolutely, I'm sure are in what you're offering, you know, a standardized way you bring someone on board, a standardized, you know, couple of flag posts along the way that you, mm -hmm. you uh, get people to. 
wonder if, if there's a way we can approach or, or how you would think about, you know, what content is appropriate to include in those, those flag posts and what content is dangerous to include in those flag posts? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. And, and real quick as we're getting into that, because the one thing I would say, because sometimes I, I always want to be cautious because I'm not, I am not an advocate of cookie cutter programs by any means. But on the flip side of that, I would say if you can't identify any commonalities across your coaching, I would say that's a red flag because you're setting yourself up for, in my opinion, just a lot of headache moving forward and trying to scale your business if you can't find any commonalities. Like I think about so much of what we do day to day, I feel like it is very personalized, is very kind of you know service driven in -hmm. some ways, but I still think we find ways to, you know, standardize, find commonalities to create that foundation. So that being said, I think to your question, there are some, some content pieces or touch points. Like I said, I tend to find that a getting started message or a getting started material is the, is the baseline is that starting point is the foundation. Yeah. So maybe, maybe like an email just to make it specific. Yeah. You know, just a couple of emails. I think in it, it doesn't have to be, I think what's nice about if you think about a framework or automation, it really can just start with one or two. Like you don't have to have this incredibly elaborate thing together at first. I think you can build on it over time. And I think starting with kind of a getting started message is an easy step. And at kind of another obvious one, there's really two. If for instance, you have people filling out an assessment on the front end mm-hmm. and it's a six week or a 12 week program, whatever it is, you know, having some kind of check-in somewhere along like halfway through the program, I think that's a touch point you can standardize. And I think also, if you think about kind of the other bookend, how you're ending it, the you know, basically you're summarizing the journey that you all just walked on together. And I think you're also having a call to action of what's next. And I think those pieces can be standardized as a starting point. And from there, you can just fill in gaps over time. Yeah, those are awesome examples because you, in those examples, you didn't necessarily allude to like a change in, in, you know, the topics that you're guiding through people through or anything. So you could be honestly coaching people on, on any old thing and those are still standardized. So you, you make a great point that literally, even if you're just getting these three touch points off your plate for manual entry every, every mm-hmm. week with every client, you're, you're doing yourself a service at that point and you can handle the feed, the follow-up in a personalized way. Um, and then that's just one less thing, one less mm-hmm. thing and one less thing. And that's a great way to go about it. That's a, that's a great way to think about program building. I think. If you um, hadn't asked me that question and put me on the spot, I doubt I would have come up with three, but the more I'm thinking about it, I really think that could be a good starting point for most people is the first card or the first touch point, the last one in the midway. And if you can start there, I think you've probably saved yourself. If you had, you know, say a dozen clients, you probably just knocked out a couple hours of admin work. Just if you could standardize those several touch points. Yeah. I think any great sculptor would tell you just have to get your hands in the clay at some point, Mac. And we get just your got your the clay. hands in the clay. There you go. <laughs> get your hands in the, keep it on theme with Halloween, get your hands in the candy jar. Yep. <laughs> oh, Halloween. I, I hope some kids get to express some joy in the world or have some joy uh, on Halloween this year. Um, all right. Well, the other side of the coin, though, here that we, we can't lose track of, getting it back to, let's say, the onboarding phase, you're starting to think about these programmatic pieces, um, getting started, touch point of some kind, an email. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're talking about doesn't mean that that can live on its own. Uh, onboarding is probably the most important point of a program where that, that involves needs to involve some kind of FaceTime or personalization or um, 
or you know even video mm-hmm. something to get get your face and your expressions out there and get in front of people um, and humanize the experience a little bit um, how do you think we strike that balance is that is it necessarily on the front end you're you're way more focused on personalization and that and that kind of thing or is this something where at every stage of the program you're sort of reassessing God, that's we- a really good question yeah. i and it's funny i hadn't thought of it in exactly like this until you just frame that question i would actually almost argue that the point at which personalization may be the most critical or most important is actually before you even get a person on the platform if you're using yeah. a remote coaching tool because I, I can't, you know, it's, it's so funny you, you've said it because it really is kind of hitting me now as we're going through this is so much of the prep work that goes into a lot of the implementations we work on is basically ideation of that process flow of getting the, you know, how are we going to articulate the idea of remote coaching? How are we then going to introduce the idea of working with the coach remotely? Um, how are we going to educate them on the tools, set expectations, so on and so forth? And it really depends on that person trying to onboard. And we always talk about this, but if, if you are someone who's not comfortable with technology and I'm trying to onboard you as a coach, the way I frame that and articulate it's going to be very different versus if you were someone who I know is very comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's funny. That is probably the area where you do need to be most personalized because you you're basically pitching someone on the idea of connecting with you and using something new. Yeah. God, that's, that's actually fantastic. Cause it's like it, a sale. You're basically, even though a person may already be paying you, like you are having to pitch them on the idea of inter, in, interacting and engaging with you in this way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and worth keeping in mind. So taking this from kind of the world where I live, the marketing perspective, what I'm thinking about people worrying about through that process is uh, people are never more kind of anxious than right after they make a purchase and before they start a thing. That's true. Um, and that's all the, that, that really kind of tacks right onto the idea that you're talking about of really wanting to focus time and personalization in that little gap between kind of buying decision or sign up for mm-hmm. program decision and actual launch of program. Um, and I think the, the other piece, I guess, from the marketing side while we're on it is that's relevant to this, this conversation about kind of setting these, these, um, the skeleton in place um, so that you, you have a, an idea of where things are going mm-hmm. and your client does is if you are somehow selling people on, a, on your services and aren't able to articulate specifically what they can expect, I would like to talk to you because you're better at selling than we are. <laughs> um, it, it, I mean, I'm being yeah. <laughs> no, you, you... reach out to the show if you're doing that because I have at least found that that's one of the most important pieces to being able to sell someone on the value of a program is to be able to, to kind of there after they maybe agree that you're, you're talking about the outcome that they want and that's why mm-hmm. they maybe want to work with you. The next thing is like, but, but do I trust that you're going to get me there in a reasonable way? And you have to be able to kind of, in my experience, break that down to its fundamental pieces, very with a lot of clarity. Yeah and very simply articulate, hey, th- I'm going to take you through step A, B, C, and D, and we're going to have you there. Even if there's a lot of personalization going on down that road, you got to be able to articulate it, which means you ought to be able to identify those flag posts and automate it a little bit. This is one of the things I think is the trickiest about a service-based business is I think it's really easy to say yes to everything, mm-hmm. explain exactly what you do, because you're right. It, it, I think it naturally can be so broad sometimes that I think 
from articulating it, you know, marketing it, I think it, it is so much more complicated. I, I would challenge people to try to, if you have a service-based business, you know, and you're in coaching, to try to think about it with a, through the lens of more of a, a or I guess look, look at more of a product-based lens almost. It's try to put more constraints to it. And I think that's where this coaching framework idea can be really helpful, not just in terms of maybe delivering a more consistent high value experience to a client, but I think coming to some of these earlier stages in terms of how you're going to articulate and market and help kind of carve out really exactly what the offering is. Um, so it's interesting, this framework idea, I think, is can be helpful across the board. But I, I do see time and time again, I think we're taking more of that kind of a product, kind of a product approach to a sales problem is sometimes interesting. Yeah, yeah. Those lines can cross a little bit. Um, but no, absolutely right. I mean, there's a lot to be learned from product-led thinking and sales-led thinking. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're going to interweave a little bit, I think, you know, if there's not yeah, yeah. a hundred percent down one path to their optimal kind of setup, but, um, oh gosh, where was I going to go? This was good. Um, so there's another question in here that you, that came to mind when you were talking about kind of those three kind of obvious touch points, right? That you oh yeah. The first journey. middle last. First, middle, last. So first we talked about a lot. Last is kind of interesting to me too, because this could potentially mean there's room to, as one of the first or earlier steps in, in thinking about automation and sequencing or workflows or whatever word you want to use for this, um, thinking about these transition points as things that you can automate, whether they're actually being delivered in the same way as the whole program yeah. or it's in another way, like, at the end of the at the end of the program, what were you thinking of specifically about what would be communicated there? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think, or well, my hope, I'd say, in in most cases, and this kind of gets back to some of the you know previous episodes we've done, is that idea of not letting a person fully go. You know, you always staying kind of tethered to that person one way or the other, and that the use of um, you know, say, man maintenance plans of some kind. And I think that's where there's a really natural progression to essentially, you know, have some kind of nice closing note to that person of, hey, really enjoyed working with you. Um, maybe you do leave some space for some things that the person had accomplished within the message or the touch point. But I think this is where having a really well-crafted message that's just really asking them if they want to continue the relationship and and giving some context and clarity to what that means and that, Hey, look, we already have a program together. This is how much it's just X dollars a month. And it's, it's more of a, I think an easy yes, no question at that point of like, Hey, do you want me to go ahead and transition you into this? Yep. I think, especially I see this with coaches all the time. I think coaches generally hate the idea of sales in every which way yeah. and hate <laughs> having sales conversations. So I think if you're someone that, that kind of falls into that, I think look for ways in which you can create just simple conversations that are yes, no. It's like, Hey, does this make sense for you? Do you want to move forward in this way? Or, you know, Hey, your program's just wrapped up. I have a simple maintenance plan. I can transition you into, would you like to do that? And just, I think at that point you kind of demystify some things and maybe take away some of the, I don't know, perceived intimidation maybe to it, but that would be my hope for that closing touch point is kind of a nice transition and framing that hopefully that maintenance plan that you've got to transition people into. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I, I can tell you, well, you can probably tell everybody having played college soccer with me that my soccer philosophy is you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Um, 
that's that's true i can i can think of some scenarios in which uh you took the shot and it it didn't go in the goal but you took it there you go hey, man. keep firing um what I, why i said that is basically you know all right it's a lot of people who are you know coaches come from it from a sort of almost like a, a clinicians or a practitioners mindset mm-hmm. um where they're you know it's just not natural for them to make the ask like that for, yeah, for yeah. sale for whatever reason if that's built into a workflow at some point and all you have to do to make the ask is really create set up those two paths frame it the way you like it so that it makes it obvious to them that there's a, a valuable reason to continue with you and let the ask live out there and they'll they'll choose their path i mean you're gonna have to do some follow-up on it and and um, but that's, that's much easier once the ask is, is formally made and it's out there than, you know, feeling like you have to agonize through those conversations, um, without it being kind of set up for you. I think that those types of, of things can really frame things and ease the burden of the conversation. Yeah. I would also argue too, that, that the, the structure, if, if you were putting together a framework that has the right structure to it, I would also argue that that's probably going to, from a client perspective, I think the perception there is you may be have your shit together a little bit better that I think it, it's going to be perceived as being a much more seamless transition. I think sometimes, and you hear about this in sales all the time is one thing you, you kind of learn early on is that what may seem obvious to you from a sales perspective may not be as obvious to the person you're selling to. And one thing that I think is overlooked a lot is just what's the next step in the process. And while you may have a maintenance plan and you may be wondering why people aren't signing up for your maintenance plan, it may be something as simple as taking a step back and realizing, hey, maybe I'm not framing that well. Maybe I'm not doing a good enough job explaining to people, hey, look, once you wrap up this, this is why I have this. This is what it's for. Here's the value. And it, it may seem simple and a little bit, you know, somewhat intuitive, but I think it is something that's overlooked a lot. <clears throat> yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think that's, that's kind of brilliant. Um, all right. One, one more piece that I think is worth at least touching on um, while we're kind of nailing down the basics of how you can create this framework is that I I would definitely like people to consider if they are specifically doing remote coaching right now is if you can identify people who are beginning to disengage, I would say that's also a a quote transition point in the same way as the end of a program is um, that happens a little bit more organically potentially throughout Mm -hmm. the process. Um, And you know, it would be obviously very complicated to fully automate something um, to you know, automatically trigger to, to reach out to those people. But what I would say is it, it falls into this framework because you should have a plan for the sequence of communications you would use to try to re-engage those people. Um, because, you know, in the end, and you were just talking about this, you shouldn't just let anyone go, right? You, you work hard to get these customers. Um, it's hard to get new customers for sure. It hurts when they leave and haven't, you know, you haven't gotten that much value out of the lifetime of the relationship. So you want to keep those people around and retained as, as best you can. And it's just going to have like life happens. And that's part of what the outreach should be in, mm-hmm. in this re-engagement workflow. It's like, Hey guys, it's, f- Hey, it's fine. I noticed you haven't been hundred percent engaged lately. Like I understand life happens. Um, does this still make sense for you to continue with me? Um, here's what I think we can do if you jump back on track right now, like that kind of thing. Um, can really kind of snap a bunch of people back in that would otherwise just just fade away. Sometimes it just takes a very intentionally designed piece of communication to pop people back into engaging in a program and you might get, you know, 12 more months of 
payments out of that person if they come back in and have some success. Man, you just touched on something that that I'm I'm glad you happened to kind of glance over this a little bit because I do think it's worth touching on that without any type of structure, if you were someone who's just getting started and you feel like with each client, it's just completely personalized and you're kind of going by the seat of your pants, which I get it. I'm a big, you know, fake it till you make it. You do what you can when you get your first clients. But if you don't have any structure in place or no commonalities, no consistency, no framework in place, I guess the question is how can you really build and refine your program moving forward? Cause you're not going to have any way to really measure effectiveness. I think at that point, and so to your point, if, if you start finding engagement is, you know, waning, say on week five and you've put together this framework, well, then, you know, some of the pieces you have going on around week four and five, you need to kind of refine and maybe enhance or maybe add, add an additional one. And I just think there's so many lessons here that you see from like email sequencing that, you know, we, once again, we talk about drip scripts and companies like that, that can provide just kind of great frameworks to start with. Mm-hmm. Those concepts, I think, are just so critical if you're thinking about enhancing your offering over time as putting that framework together. Yeah, I, I had, it wasn't quite uh, connecting the dots all the way there. You're right. Uh, but that is absolutely essential to understand in, in any type of business, to be honest. I mean, if you're not, if you don't have a framework to start measuring from and you're not measuring, then how mm-hmm. are you improving? Then you're just guessing every time you try to improve. Guessing every time, which that sounds exhausting. <laughs> it does indeed. <laughs> so I th- I think this is good. I mean I think we, it's funny that conversation earlier I think took us down a lot of different paths for this episode, and I think what we what's been interesting is we take a step back and you kind of think about it. We've seen that this idea of a well-defined coaching framework, you know, combination of content communication, for one may help with kind of the perceived value of your offering to clients you're taking through it also can help you refine and optimize it over time, but also pull it to the beginning probably is going to help you from a marketing standpoint. So you can better, you know, articulate it to prospects, what you're doing. I just see really value spilling over across the entire business by starting with something like this. Yeah. I think, I think this framework idea is an incredible exercise that we should start putting everybody through. I mean, I just think this is phenomenal. Let's create it. Let's, let's put it into practice. You guys heard it here first. We need a document. We need a document. I guess I have something like not, I don't by any means want to say I've got something exactly like this with implementations, because I think this, where we're going with this sounds way better, but I feel like there's some initial pieces we have that maybe give us a leg up, but I, yeah, I I think there's a, there's a document here. There's something here. We can consolidate it into something more official and, and invaluable and, and awesome to be honest. What's it called? Is it just called the coaching framework? And can we, can we put some kind of cool name to it? Oh my gosh. I don't, I, that's a great question. Call um, the branding folks. I'm a slow processor. So I'm going to have to chew on that one a little bit. <laughs> the coaching framework. Yeah, that's program framework. I have no yeah, idea. We'll figure it out. But yeah. no, I, I like this. So this is, you know, probably noodle on it over the weekend. I think we jump back in next week and I think we can make it happen. Yep. You got to create clarity for yourself for this, for your program before you can ever create clarity for your clients. And once you've done that, then it all comes together. I think, um, I was just, I, I, so I'm the nerd that's newly on Twitter in, in 2020. So you can follow me along with six other people that follow me at, at Phil Bean. Um, but <laughs> I say all this to, to say, I just saw this quote and I'm going to add one, one addition to it. It's from Jack Butcher, who's, um, an entrepreneur. He's, uh, 
if you've ever seen or heard of visualized value, um, really interesting. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, his quote is, I'm going to add, add one step to it. His quote is complexity impresses your peers. Clarity impresses your customers. Ah. What I want to add to it is, um, is uncertainty impresses nobody. Complexity impresses your peers. Wow. (laughs) Impresses your customers. I think, by modeling all this framework out, you're just creating clarity for yourself, which will then turn into clarity for your, for your clients, which I think is, is probably put it in the show notes. That sounded official. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Oh, that actually reminds me. There was a, uh, there was a quote I, and I got to give a shout out to, to Jamie on this one implementation call yesterday. It was, this, I had another moment actually just looked at my notebook and I wrote it down. Someone said a quote that I also, I'm, I'm, I feel like lately over the past two weeks, I've heard like these soundbite quotes where I'm like, man, that's good. And I write it down. Engagement drives revenue. And it was like a very, it seems simple, but it was one of those things like for everyone, like for, for that business, for our business, it was like, you're right. Engagement drives revenue. And yeah. uh, not as profound as your quote, but it no, was I've never, was, I've never heard that before. And I'm surprised I've never heard anyone say yeah. that before because I think it absolutely aligns with kind of our, our values and what we try to do. Well, I was joking that I'm going to like blow it up as a poster behind me and make it like, you know, put his face on it with like a message bubble. So, um, the but poster no, I, could I, be the special guest on the next podcast. I know. We yeah. Had I your, thought it was a very glasses were the special guest a couple of weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Glasses. <laughs> I'm, I think I'm like four weeks, three, four weeks in. Yeah. I can see better. I don't, Considering I'm usually I'm just sitting in my house at this point, I don't I can't talk about a lot of uh, use cases in which I feel like this has improved my life, but I can see better. That's all that matters, I think. That's that's I think the value that glasses are claiming to bring. There we go. There right. we go. Well, I guess that's it for another episode. We've we've done all all the work that we can do here. Um, cheers, guys, and we'll see you again in a couple or next week, I should say. We'll see you again next week. And until then, check out the podcast, Nudgecast and nudge coach happy hour on youtube see you guys next time